Equities are taking a hammering and the US dollar is on the rise this morning. Why? Well, COVID-19 numbers continue to look far from encouraging. The prospect of any stimulus in the United States before the election is practically gone. And oil has taken a hit as demand is expected to fall with this second wave of infections. All this just one week from the US election, but there is good news around. Melbourne is going to be open for business tomorrow and AstraZeneca has some positive news on their vaccine trials. Plus, the RBA's guide to bail in front of the Senate Economics Legislation Committee this afternoon. It's Tuesday, the 27th of October, 2020. It's the morning call from NAB. Good morning. Well, stocks in the United States continue to fall down 2.7% for the Dow, 2.2% for the S&P 500 and 2% for the Nasdaq. It's the same story in Europe. The Euro stock's 50, almost 3% down. There's a bit more interest in the US dollar today. It's up a third of 1% on the DXY index. In part, that could be because we've seen a 0.4% fall in the Euro and a 0.6% fall in the Canadian dollar, which hasn't been helped by a big fall in oil. WTI is down 3.4% today. It's a similar story for Brent. The Aussie dollar, meanwhile, down 0.1%. You might have actually hoped that, uh, you know, it might have been up a bit with the uh, news that Victoria is reopening tomorrow. There's there's more interest in US bonds as well, pushing Treasury yields down four basis points for 10 years to 0.8%. So it's not a quiet day, uh, for sure. So to talk us through it, Rodrigo Catrill is senior FX strategist at NAB in Sydney. In a way... I mean, it feels quite normal in that there's a pandemic, which is far from normal. Uh, and you would have thought, you know, it's it's a risky situation. Risk means uh, stocks, you know, are, are off, which they are. People are buying government bonds and the US dollar is up, heading for, you know, uh, for safe havens. This is what you'd expect in a crisis, isn't it? Although we haven't seen a lot of it over the last few months. Morning, Phil. Yes. So, so we've seen a bit of a back to normal, if you like. Uh, after yesterday, we had sort of those... Not very common sort of moves in terms of markets. Now it's kind of moving more along the lines of what you expect. Um, saying that, it's interesting to know that although we've seen a big, big move lower in equity markets of over 2%, uh, the dollar is a little bit stronger. It's not massively stronger. And, and you know, to some extent, the, the Aussie dollar, for instance, which is very risk sensitive, is holding up mm. above 71 cents, uh, just down, you know, around 40 40 pips. And so, so it's not it's not a big move in, in currencies, but certainly uh, there's been a clear evidence of risk aversion in, in equity markets. Right. But is, so the Aussie dollar is perhaps helped by the fact that we've got the news that Melbourne is open for business again. All shops, cafes, pubs reopen from, from tomorrow. Um, it's, it's certainly good news, particularly for Melbournians. But uh, um, when you look at the news, when the news were released yesterday afternoon, the reaction in the market mm. was fairly muted. So um, I think it's probably fair to say that at the moment, the Aussie dollar still remains very much driven by sort of external macro macro factors, so sort of risk sentiment and, uh, um, you know, the overall sort of demand for commodities and so on are still the main drivers uh, at the yeah. moment. And it seems like, the, you know, it, again, it's, it is it is Europe, isn't it, which is the... Uh, uh, which is driving a lot of this. I mean, we do have the uncertainty, obviously, of a, of a US election. And, you know, we would like to see uh, that COVID relief bill happen. But it, it looks like that's not going to happen. In fact, uh, Nancy Pelosi says the White House is refusing to accept the Democrats' testing plan as part of that, that relief bill. We were hoping to hear something on that today, but it sounds like nothing's going to happen. But if we look at we look at Europe, that that's where we're seeing those numbers rise, the infection numbers rise. And then the data that we're getting, the, the business numbers from the IFO Institute in Germany, that the headline number missed the mark, uh, the expectation numbers looking forward is quite a bit down. 
so I guess that's, you know, all of that's contributed to the euro falling quite a bit today. And then obviously the COVID-19 numbers dragging it down as well. Yes. So, so I think in general, it's fair to say that, you know, the, the dimming hopes of the stimulus is, is one factor weighing on markets. Then, as you say, the, the rise in infection and concerns about hospitalization and the, you know, what is to come, which means that the more drastic measures in terms to, to try to stop the, the virus is affecting. Uh, but over and above all of that, we've also had kind of company-specific company news. And, and you mentioned the, the, the Europe, when you, when you look at the tech sector in Europe, is a big, big decline. Um, and in the mm. DAX, for instance, DAX sector is down, down 16%. And when you drill in, then you see that SAP, which is obviously a big, big software yeah, company. SAP. We don't have to, you don't, exactly, you don't have to go down too far, do you? 20% down today. And they, they sell enter, enterprise software. They've cut their forecast massively. It feels like that's a bit of a proxy for falling business confidence as well, doesn't it? Exactly. And again, it shows you sort of the misfortunes, if you like, that the, the, the infection is causing in different companies. Uh, while some are doing very well, SAP, which is kind of a tech company, if you like, is not actually doing that well. Uh, and the market is, is sort of reacting to those news. And, and of course, we also had those sanction news coming from China in terms of Boeing, Lockheed and, uh, and Rayton, um, all related to, to these companies because they, they agreed to do the arms sales to, to Taiwan. So there's, there's a few sort of, uh, if you like, company-specific news that are also affecting the market. Uh, but certainly the, the big macro themes is uh, uh, the stimulus and, and the rising concerns around virus infections in Europe. Yeah, well, we've got over 50,000 cases a day now in France. Uh, Angela Merkel is uh, expected to announce lockdown light for Germany in uh, the middle of this week. Spain uh, might be restricting interregional travel. And then look at those uh, those UK numbers because they're not uh, t- uh, good at all. Uh, if you look at uh, the number of hospital admissions for the UK or for, just for England, in fact, uh, at the beginning of October, 368 hospital admissions. Now it's about 1,000. At its peak in April, it reached 3,000. So it's a third of the way getting back to where it was. And those numbers are rising of course it seems everywhere in europe the numbers are just looking depressing and and, and it's all about sort of the, the ability of the healthcare sector to cope with this rise in hospitalizations and uh, authorities probably need to act before you get to that point where the healthcare sector cannot cope so it certainly looks like the direction of travel is for for more restrictions and obviously that has an economic impact and and now we're seeing the equity markets starting to react to that. So I wonder how, yeah, and I wonder how much of this this global uh, move in equity markets is being driven, you know, largely out of Europe because of those rising cases. But also we've got tensions in Turkey now, which probably aren't helping the euro either or equities. President Erdogan has told people not to buy French goods because of uh, comments that Emmanuel Macron made about Islam. We've seen the Turkish lira down to eight lira to to the dollar for for the first time. So this uh, geopolitical tensions this is, not, is not what we need right now. That's right. It's not helping at all. And, and I suppose the, your other point is that the focus very much at the moment is on the virus infections in Europe. Uh, the numbers are rising in the US as well. Uh, but the political appetite and uh, in terms of imposing restrictions is a little bit higher or, or rather lower in, 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 in the US. So the bar to impose more restrictions in the US is a little bit higher. But the travel of direction is, is the same as Europe. So um, if we don't see a significant change in terms of the travel direction, in terms of the rates of infections in the U.S., in you know, in a few weeks' time, we could be actually talking about the U.S. trying to look into impose similar restrictions that what uh, we currently see mm. in Europe. There's not many numbers around, not many hard bits of data around, but we did see new home sales in the United States. They were expected; it was expected they would increase. Uh, they did in August, but we had a 3.5% drop in September. Maybe that's peaked. Maybe that rush to the burbs has stopped for now. 
Um, it's early days. There's only one one data point, but it's certainly yeah. a bit of an anomaly relative to all the sort of other solid data releases we come in, we've seen on the construction side and also in the housing market in general. So certainly something to to keep an eye on. Um, but I suppose the the other thing, kind of, if you know, if we want to move on to the good news, is kind of on the virus news as well. Is mm. is is the vaccine stories, and uh, yeah. uh, we're now seeing that uh, Dr. Fashi, for instance, yesterday talked about the prospects that we could have uh, a vaccine approved by before the end of the year. Um, now we also have uh, AstraZeneca kind of uh, getting positive results yeah. uh, and also very hopeful that, you know, the vaccine and, uh, will, will come before the end of the year, at least an approval of the vaccine. The distribution, of course, is another story, but uh, yeah, the first step is that you need to get it approved. Yeah, well, AstraZeneca are saying, in fact, that they're, they're getting uh, positive responses from both young and old people and the adverse responses are actually less in older people because the big fear might have been that you know older people wouldn't be able to take it so that is that is very encouraging and in fact that was the words that AstraZeneca used that this is encouraging that's a that's the way they say it in England Donald Trump would say you know this is going to wipe out COVID-19 it's all over tomorrow but it's encouraging as as good as it gets in in the UK I think look in um, in the election uh, Joe Biden is now saying uh, he's going to implement a two trillion dollar package immediately on taking office he's going to uh, also introduce some tax increases and uh, some infrastructure spending. That is surely, a, a, the fact that he's saying that is a nail in the coffin, isn't it, for any hope of that uh, pre-election agreement. But uh, perhaps it doesn't matter because it does look like he's quits in. The betting site 38, 538 has the odds of a Biden victory now at 87% and for the Democrats regaining the Senate. So double whammy for the Democrats. They've got that at 74%. Yes, so so the, certainly the polls, uh, or rather the, the the odds have increased significantly in in the past couple of weeks, um, and the the COVID nineteen story in the background is not helping President Trump. Um, whilst you know, the the, the stimulus it's stalemate is really also not helping. And what, what we got to remember there that even if Biden gets elected, um, there will be a delay for for this stimulus to come. Um, it's it's not going to happen on the fifth of sixth of, of November. You'll have to wait for the new government to take place. And essentially, we're talking about a stimulus package coming in January or February. So there's still a little bit of potential pain for the U.S. economy to endure before that stimulus comes, even after, uh, I assume, even if you assume Biden wins the election. Yeah, well, I had Donald Trump uh, talking at a rally earlier on today, saying you won't hear about COVID-19 uh, on November the 4th, as though the whole thing had been... Uh, created to scupper his chances of winning the presidency again. <laughs> uh, look, uh, talking about tales of two cities, what about this? So we, we mentioned the fact that, uh, you know, uh, SAP shares were down so so far. What about this, the expectation that the Ant Group, which is a, a spin-off of Alibaba, basically it's a fintech company, uh, is going to list in Shanghai and Hong Kong. It's expecting to raise $35 billion while there's a pandemic on. This is by far the biggest share offering ever. It's going to create one of the world's biggest companies. Yes, and certainly the biggest financial company. So, I mean, at this stage, um, mm. if the IPO and everything goes accordingly, uh, the valuation of Ant will go to just about $320 billion, which means it will be the biggest financial company. You know, JP Morgan is around 316, which is what is currently the biggest. So it is a pretty impressive, uh, um, you know, IPO. And also it just highlights how 
the world is changing because not only is the biggest financial company, it's not, it's not an American company, it's a Chinese company. And also the IPO itself was not done in, in, in American U.S. stock markets. It was primarily, you know, Shanghai and, and Hong Kong. So it's a sort of a, a reflection of the change in times that we, we face in at the moment and, yes. and maybe where we're traveling as well. So today, uh, Guy Debell is going to be in front of the uh, from the RBA is going to be in front of the Senate Economics Legislation Committee this afternoon. He'll no doubt be asked about rate cuts and and bond buying. Could could that be market moving or, or I mean, what's he going to say? And I mean, and do we? I mean, is it is he going to say anything that we're not already expecting? I guess. Well, I suppose that that's that's probably the point. That in terms of what the RBA has been telling us, they they've been quite forthcoming, if you like, in terms of what they're planning to do in November. The market is well-priced for further easing, so we don't expect major surprises from, from the assistant governor, uh, or deputy governor, I should say. Um, but, but inevitably, because it's a Q&A section, um, you have to kind of watch out for, for any interesting questions. He might provide a little bit more color in terms of uh, exactly what the stimulus will entail. There's a lot of focus in the market as to whether or not the yield curve control target could be moved from, from the three-year part of the curve to the five-year part of the curve, so that could be interesting. And also maybe more information about quantitative easing expanding to the five- and ten-year part of the curve and, and how big it's going to be. That is the other question. I think the market is prepared for more QE. But we're still wondering how big that package will be. And look, a bit from the US as well, we get the uh, durable goods orders for September. We get the uh, consumer confidence uh, for October from the conference board. The Richmond Fed manufacturing index, industrial profits from China as well. A, a few numbers of consumer confidence for, for Australia. There's a few numbers and trade data for New Zealand as well. A few numbers out today. Yes, a few numbers. I, I suppose in, during our time zone, the industrial profits in China will be of some interest. Um, typically, profit margins get squeezed when you see that PPI are declining and pri- uh, producer prices in, in China are negative and have uh, been printing negative over the past couple of months. So that is a squeeze, and it will be interesting to see how industrial profits cope with that squeeze, if you like. Uh, the export side, of course, coming under pressure from um, the concerns around you know, the global economy, um, but that is contrasted in, in terms of how well the domestic economy is doing in China. So it'll be interesting to see how that number prints uh, and, and what to expect in terms of uh, the, the future as well. Right. Well, it can't be doing too badly, can it, if uh, they're expecting to raise $35 billion as <laughs> astronomical figure uh, listing a new company anyway good to talk catch you again very soon thanks thanks for coming on thanks Phil does sound like something out of Austin Powers doesn't it really 35 billion dollars although that's not a great deal of money now we've got used to how much money has gone into government stimulus packages that's it for today I'm Phil Darby for NAB back again tomorrow morning see you then